When it comes to weight loss, no two people are the same. That's why Noom builds personalized plans based on your unique psychology and biology. Take Brittany. After years of unsustainable diets, Noom helped her lose 20 pounds and keep it off. I was definitely in a yo-yo cycle for years of just losing weight, gaining weight, and it was exhausting. And Stephanie. She's a former D1 athlete who knew she couldn't out-train her diet, and she lost 38 pounds. My relationship to food before Noom was never consistent. And Evan, he can't stand salads, but he still lost 50 pounds with Noom. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. Even through the pickiness, Noom taught me that building better habits builds a healthier lifestyle. I'm not doing this to get to a number. I'm doing this to feel better. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom users compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. You like the Just Baseball show and want to make your own? Let me tell you about Anchor. It's free. There's a creation tool that allows you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Now you can even add any song from Spotify directly to your episodes. The possibilities are endless for what you can create, whether it's music analysis, your own radio show, or something the world's never seen before. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and much more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Wednesday, November 15th, it's another prospect edition of the Just Baseball Show. He's Jack McMullen, who obviously is putting basketball first. That's why we're recording early, eager to see yeah. Steph Curry break the record. I'm Arm Layton, not worried about Steph Curry because I'm a baseball guy, and we're going to be talking about baseball here uh, in this episode. You squeezed your hoops in last time. I love college hoops. I can't blame you fully for that one, uh, but I'll give you the floor for a quick minute. Steph Curry did that on purpose, right? He wants to break this record at MSG. Oh, my God, yeah. I mean, who the hell wants to set the record at Gainbridge Fieldhouse in Indianapolis? And that's coming from somebody who lives in Indianapolis and was just at Gainbridge Fieldhouse on Friday night. Like, you don't want to set the record there. You want to set it at Madison Square Garden, the world's most famous arena. You want to do it in front of the people that told Reggie Miller to go F himself and now have some sort of vendetta against Trey Young. Love that. He, I love that they have right? Trey Young beef. I just It's just so I, it's funny. It's so funny. The side talk stuff, like with the Trey Young beef, like, yo, fuck Trey Young. Like, I think that's so funny because Trey Young is just the weirdest guy to pick on. He seems like a He's nice just- dude. Just a small guy that shoots the ball well, just like Steph. I have long not liked watching Steph Curry, to be totally honest, because he's kind of sloppy at points, right? Same deal with Westbrook, same deal with Harden. Steph Curry's transcendent, but like Curry, I don't know. With me, like I see the air balls. I see when he hits like 
zero rim when he catches the side of the backboard. But then I also see that falling away at the logo, drill the triple. It's such like a love hate relationship I have watching Steph Curry. Um, and the thing is when this second three goes in tonight, I'm going to love it. Um, I don't know. He's just not like, he's, he's not clean enough for me with the basketball. Does that it's make great. sense? It's great to see your boomer takes make their way over to, to other sports. Yeah. Yeah, he, for sure. He, he's a, what is he shot from three in his career? I mean, it's gotta be 43% from three in his career. I mean, is that not clean enough for you? But the thing is, Arm, I mean, you've watched him, right? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go back to the eye test. That's super boomer of me. Like, there are some shitty turnovers that he has committed in his career. There are some bad misses. When he misses, I mean, it's just not a good shot for anybody but Steph, right? So, like, you see that, and it's that's like, why is he putting this up? Yeah. It's all like a sliding scale. It's all relative. And that's why you can't compare him to any other player from any other era. But what you have to think about is what that does to the rest of the floor too, right? Like when you know that you have to D up Steph, like 40 feet from the basket, that just opens up so many different things. And like, that's, that's where he goes beyond it. Maybe he's a three true outcome guy, but the 43% <laughs> from deep, like, I don't care. He could pull up from the freaking from half court and, and I'm cool with it. So uh, it, that, I get that. Also one more thing on basketball uh, and specifically MSG. Can we, can we, it was funny at the beginning. Can we leave like the bing bong stuff behind like uh, I, I know. Oh my god, dude! It's so old. It's so. No. It, it, Hold it, on, when, to the Bing Bong. Oh, every sorority girl from Syracuse has just found out about it now, uh, and I'm seeing it on stories. And uh, like, and my mom's probably gonna Bing Bong me now soon. Like, just when I thought it was over, and it, it's it's just it's it's old. Maybe maybe I'm a boomer for that one. Well, the thing is, you just have to graduate. I mean, you keep bringing up these sororities at Syracuse. Like, we're we don't go to Syracuse anymore. I need, you got to move on. Keep that's the first time I've brought that up ever. <laughs> I, the, the, what the kind of narrative is this? I, I, okay, I will, I will, I will unfollow some. I'm just like that was just a general like stereotype. But just the people who don't watch sports have just tapped into like the 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 Bing Bong thing. Like, I know guys yeah. too that like were not interested in sports whatsoever. Like just tapped into it, and I'm like, this needs to end. But the Knicks, when they're good, it's fun, and they've got some young talent. And we're going to be talking about young talent on the baseball side too. So you want to say something else about this? And I, so my transition is going to be halted. Go ahead. No, no. I mean that was a very clean transition. I want to give you snaps for the transition. That was awesome. Uh, I do just want to have you guess the population of Long Island because going to Syracuse, going to a school in the Northeast, I think the population of Long Island might be like two billion. <laughs> I think just every Long Island person went to Syracuse. Uh, population. I'm going to guess 4 million. I have no idea. I'm just saying it's like 2 oh. billion. Oh, it, it might be. It might be. It's, it's larger than, than most countries. Um, Do your cutesy the, transition and, okay. and I'll have the population of Long Island for you. Okay. So we're here to talk prospects and not just prospects. We're talking about the blue chippers, the guys who will make an impact or we think will make an impact at the big league level next year. So you can almost kind of tie this in with some like rookie of the year discussion uh, that gets a little bit more, I guess, detailed and nuanced because some of the top prospects are both in the AL and then some are going to be in the NL. So we kind of want to just talk about it as a whole as just which prospects we think can really make an impact at the big league level next year. Uh, and we'll hit the ground running. So I'm excited to talk about those guys. What's the population of Long Island? 3 million, 2.9. Ooh, I was pretty close. I'll take it. Yeah, you were close. I'll take it. So 
this is going to be a really fun year, I think. And I mean, and it always is with the young talent in baseball. We talk about how much young talent there is in baseball. But when you look at the just baseball top 100 list, the top three guys are going to break in next year, barring something unforeseen, God forbid, an injury or something else. Number one's Bobby Wood Jr. Number, number two is Adley Rutschman. Number three is Julio Rodriguez. Those three guys should personally, you know, I think it, service time aside, should make the opening day rosters outright. I think they've shown enough in the minor leagues, assuming they don't just catastrophically struggle in spring training. If there is spring training, those guys belong in the big leagues right away. Uh, I guess we could start with that trio, right? Because we're going to get more into, into other names as well. Uh, but with this trio, who do you think can make the biggest impact at the big league level next year? Because there's a lot of factors that go into this. This isn't saying who's going to be the best player of them all, right? Certain profiles, certain types of players uh, have a more smooth transition into the big leagues, but the guys that may not have as smooth of a transition, once they settle in, they become superstars. So we're kind of talking about the guys that we think are going to settle in kind of quickly. Uh, and by the end of the year, have that really, really solid rookie year for their team. Yeah. You know what? Before I answer your question, I just want to say you said that the top three in the just baseball top 100 will break into the major leagues in 2022. I mean, we've got nine of the top 10 guys ready to break into the bigs in 2022. That's the thing. Like the only guy in the top 10 that we don't see at just baseball cracking the show in 2022 is Francisco Alvarez, who's really, really good, but he's just not ready for that 2022 yeah. season. Absolutely. Like, what's crazy is we've hit this cycle of the prospects, right? And it's always cyclical. You've got the top prospects being young guys and they are a glimmering hope. And then there's some adjustment there. And then there's this almost front loaded sense of the top prospects where all the top flight guys are just about to get there. You know, we saw it with trout and Harper, right? They were both on the cusp and they were the can't miss guys. But then you have other times where it's Jurex and Profar and then who else? You know what I mean? Everybody's in low A, everybody's in high A, but now everybody's in triple A and they can crack in. Um, To be honest, I think the guy who can make the biggest impact out of those top three in 2022 is J-Rod. I think Julio Rodriguez is the guy to make the impact. Adley Rutschman is going to be really good. Bobby Witt's going to be really good. But if I had to power rank the top three guys, Adley, Witt, and J-Rod, in terms of the impact they will make for their team in 2022, it goes Julio Rodriguez, Bobby Witt Jr., Adley Rutschman. Adley being an all-star or Adley being a work in progress will have minimal impact on the Baltimore Orioles situation in 2022. I mean, they're just not going to make the postseason. There's no shot. With Bobby Witt, you know, the Royals are that team that wants to contend, but the way that we've workshopped the Guardians and then knowing the White Sox talent and knowing that the Tigers are on the up and up, there might not be enough wins for them. With Seattle, they were a game away from making the postseason without Kyle Lewis and without Julio Rodriguez and without a lot of their young pitchers that are going to debut in 2022. So I think if Julio Rodriguez and others make that return, make that big of an impact, I mean, the Mariners might win the AL West. Yeah. And, you know, they went up, went out and scooped up that Robbie Ray guy too. Right. So, I mean, they've got, they've got a good team and I don't think they're done either. I think they're going to make some more moves. I, I like your rationale here because there's a few things that I'm thinking about when I look at these three. And personally, I think Julio Rodriguez is going to have the smoothest transition uh, because a lot of what you said. But then also, I look at Adley Rutschman. 
that's a big undertaking. Like people underestimate how much goes into just adjusting as a defensive catcher too, right? Like Dylan Dingler, a perfect example. He was spectacular in high A uh, and offensively, he really struggled. He hit a wall in double A. You and I didn't, I don't think it changed either of our tunes as to what we think of Dingler, but the reason why he really struggled is that he got quickly sent up to double A and now you have to handle a much more advanced pitching staff and even his double A manager, uh, even the, the, the head of, of player development over there in the tiger system, they all said offense comes second. We really wanted to see how you would handle the pitching staff up here. Well, we know that he'll get acclimated offensively. So, I mean, that, that kind of puts it in perspective. I think it's going to be similar for Adley at the big league level. He's going to make an impact because he's going to be a good defensive catcher who is still going to run into some baseballs for a team that needs guys like that. Uh, but I don't think he's going to be tapping into his potential necessarily the way Julio Rodriguez can, who honestly, I mean, they might throw him in the front of their lineup, but the guy could hit like seventh for them next year. Potentially. Yeah. Like, I don't, I don't think Seriously. he will. I don't think he will just because he's Julio Rodriguez, but like, he's going to be in a very comfortable place. Like that's not the guy that you're afraid of right now. I, I think in that lineup, like you, you, you're probably more afraid of, unless he just really takes off and like you still got to deal with Mitch Hanniger. Like you still got to deal with Ty France. You got to deal with guys that really hit last year. We'll see how Kyle Lewis looks when he, when he comes back, Kellenic was insane at the end of last year. Uh, so like, that's a guy that you, you pair the track record of hitting. You pair the fact that he's just a bat first guy with good bat to ball skills and, and good power. I think he's going to kind of roll right in there. Bobby Witt, he's got some contact questions. Like I'm not saying that it's going to hold him back from being a superstar. Like he's legitimately our number one prospect for a reason, but I don't know if he's just going to hit the ground running, right? Like 74% zone contact rate. That's below average. Yes. He was playing way above his domain in terms of his experience and put up great numbers in double and triple a, but I, I think there might be a bit of a learning curve here for Bobby Witt. And also he's going to be expected to be one of their like main offensive pieces right away. So think about what Adley's being asked. Think about what Witt's being asked versus what Julio Rodriguez is going to be asked of. I think it's just a smoother and less pressurized, I guess, for for lack of a better word, transition for Julio Rodriguez compared to these other two guys. No, I think that's a fair word. And I think what Witt is dealing with is what Wander Franco dealt with when he first came up. It was, you're going to come up, you're going to hit eighth in your debut, but then you're going to hit second. And you got to be all-star caliber in order for the Rays to maximize what they want to do in 2021 because you're Wander Franco. There are maybe... 10 guys playing baseball right now that can deal with that kind of pressure from the jump. Trout was one of them. Harper was one of them. You know what I mean? And he struggled. Trout struggled out of the gate. He did, but then he, he adjusted there. Yeah, he absolutely. Was, you know, rookie of the year unanimously. And he would have won the MVP, you know, any other year besides the triple crown, blah, blah, blah. But Wander is cut from that cloth. I genuinely think that Bobby Witt is cut from that cloth, but if Bobby Witt, is like MVP vote getter and AL rookie of the year, Bobby Witt, that still doesn't guarantee the Royals a postseason appearance here versus Julio Rodriguez, you know, looking in the same division as the Royals is dealing with the Luis Robert thing where Luis Robert, so, so talented, 27 other teams in major league baseball. He's going to hit second in that order, his rookie year. And then sometimes a lineup card comes out and Luis Robert's hitting seventh Mm -hmm. because the lineup is deep and you've got experience one through six. That's what Julio Rodriguez is stepping into. Kelnick's going to hit ahead of Julio Rodriguez at the beginning of 2022. He has to because he spent some time at the major league level seeing major league pitching. I think that changes within a couple of weeks, but the expectations don't need to be sky high for J-Rod right away because he's entering a good team. 
I totally agree. And, and the thing when you talk about being cut from the same cloth as somebody like a Wander Franco, the craziest part is that, and I think I've mentioned this on the podcast before, Julio Rodriguez's numbers in his minor league career through just about the same age and the same levels are almost to a T the same as Wander Franco's were. I think more power production, obviously some more strikeouts, but n- nothing egregious there. It's just Wander doesn't strike out. You had numbers that were almost identical across the board over the same sample size as well. Like Julio has that ability, that generational feel to hit that I think is going to help him just kind of roll out and be great right away. Uh, I think you bring up some good points there. And how about this though? All three of these guys are in the American league. It's going to be a fun yeah. It's going to be a fun, fun rookie of the year race. I'm looking forward to like giving out our picks on that because it's going to be really interesting as to how we break that down. Uh, the, the thing I'll say about Wit though, to wrap up is like, it's not just Wit that's going to feel that pressure. Like Nick Prado is going to have to take it, you know, to, it's going to have to translate right away for these, for this team to really be able to, to do things like Kyle Isbell is going to have to contribute. Like th- they need a lot of young guys to contribute. I think they're still going to go out and make some more moves. Uh, but yeah, I mean, you're not really banking on the playoffs. The only guy that really has to jump in and, and take your team to the promised land is Julio Rodriguez. Whereas Adley and Wit. Are, are allowed to struggle. And that was something I talked about with Jeff Conine, you know, on, on outside the box with Jeff, with the, with the podcast we host is just, he was saying, don't underestimate the amount of pressure that goes on to these players backs when you get to the big leagues and that team actually has to win. When you know, you can get up to the big leagues and it doesn't matter if you struggle, it, it's a lot easier to go through that. But like, imagine a Jared Kalnick where that team's in the middle of a playoff race, a miracle playoff race. And you're in the middle of that lineup or even no matter where you are in that lineup and you you need to help. You need to not be a liability. And he was a liability. Like that's got to mount up on you. And that's why it was so amazing to see what he did over the final month. And that's why I think Kelnick's going to be great. And I, I think Julio has probably learned a lot from that. He was along for the ride, keeping close, watching close. He traveled, I think for the final series up to Seattle and everyone was freaking out. Like he was going to get the call up for the final two games or something. Uh, but, you know, I, I think it's a really cool opportunity for Julio to be around some vets and some young guys who went through some similar things that he did. And, and I think it's just a perfect situation for him to just kind of uh, have that momentous rookie year that you don't see very often. Yeah. And you know, that, that feeling that Kelnick had to have when he went back to Tacoma, the, the Mariners AAA team, it was probably like, ah, oh, fuck, I blew my chance at a grand entry into major league baseball. Like, I missed the chance to be the golden boy. You know who else missed their chance to be the golden boy not too long ago was Julio Urias with the Dodgers. He came up and it was, holy shit, this is Fernando Mania 2.0, let's go. And he kind of sucked as a teenager and that, or he was 20, I want to say. And he was 19. I think he was 19. 19. Yeah. He was a teenager. That's what I thought because he was like the first teenage pitcher to debut for the Dodgers since Fernando. And it was like, okay, this is Fernando mania. Here we go. He had like a five ERA. Then he goes back down to Oklahoma city and Julio Rios is like, ah, shit, like, damn, that that's my chance. I'm not the wonder kid anymore. And then Julio Rios is who he is now, which is arguably a top 10 pitcher in baseball. So like there is a chance to bounce back and Kelnick, we saw it in a vacuum in 2021, but Kelnick bounced back successfully. And now he looks like a piece that's going to contribute from the jump. Julio Rodriguez, if he struggles, 
he's going to bounce back. I don't think he's going to, I don't think he's going to struggle because he's just super duper talented. I also don't think he's going to struggle because it, it feels like he can temper his own expectations. Like I see that smile. I see the mm-hmm. way he handles media. He just fine. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I totally agree. I think he's got the personality too. He's kind of been in the spotlight for a while uh, and I'm expecting him to kind of hit the ground running in. Here's the crazy thing too, Jack, is that when we continue through these other guys that I think are going to break in next year, uh, it's more dudes that are all in the AL <laughs> through this top 10 here. The next two are, are a pair of tigers, uh, two guys that I think – are also going to break in next year, but I mean, one, we're going to be on the same page is probably going to be uh, having a chance to break in on opening day. And also I think it's just going to kind of hit the ground running a bit quicker. Torkelson and green. You got Riley green, Spencer Torkelson, Riley green's a high school guy. It's amazing how polished he is given the fact that he was a high school guy with the 2020 season taken away from him, uh, which would, would have been the first full season for him. Torkelson college guy breaks Barry bonds, home run record at Arizona state freshman home run record there, like generational uh, in what he did in college baseball and, and in the Cape and team USA. And now we saw it just roll right into uh, his, his first professional season. Torkelson makes hitting look easy. And what we said in the write-up is like his takes are even easy. He just, he makes it all look so comfortable, no matter how hard a guy's throwing. I think it's pretty natural that you're going to see Spencer Torkelson be able to kind of just get acclimated quicker. He's going to make America Park look small when he connects. Yeah, Like he's not going to have a problem leaving the yard there. Riley Green's got big power, but he's still fully tapping into it. I think Green's going to be a hell of a player. And we have Green ranked ahead of Torkelson because Green can play center. He could be an above average corner outfielder. Torkelson's, Probably going to play first. I don't think he's playing third. So, yeah. when we, But when we look at the offensive impact, and now Detroit's a team that they kind of want to compete next year, right? Like, I don't think that they're expecting to make the playoffs, but they're trying to be relevant, right? Like, they go out and get Javi Baez. They, they're hoping to be a bit more competitive this season. And I think the plan is probably two years from now, three years from now. But Torkelson is going to be expected to kind of get going right away. And I think he's going to make the team – outright unless they're going to pull the Chris Bryant work on your defense at third and then never even play him at third. They'll probably just put him right at first and, and have Cabrera DH, I guess. Uh, but Torkelson, I think is the guy that's, that's going to be, you know, probably far and away more comfortable out of the gate than Riley green, who I think actually could use probably another 150 plate appearances in triple a before, before getting the call up. So I'm going to push back on you, but before I push back on you, I just want to say that I understand they're on the back half of the rebuild. But Javi Baez signing up to be on a rebuilding team is it's ludicrous to me. I don't Javi Baez cannot deal with team failure. I understand you're doing the dollar sign thing Uh, for you folks not watching on YouTube. You're doing the dollar sign thing. Yes, money talks and Detroit probably saw that they weren't going to compete financially for Correa like they thought they were. So then they offered Baez bigger money than he would have gotten elsewhere. But I mean, Javi Baez is going to be miserable when his team is 500 and it's cold outside. Cold outside is why I'm going to push back. I saw Spencer Torkelson make his pro debut on May 4th in Fort Wayne, Indiana. I saw him for a whole week. That was the one time in Spencer Torkelson's baseball career where he looked normal. He started his pro career, I want to say 0 for 10 or 0 for 11 with a bunch of punch outs because it was 45 degrees outside. Spencer Torkelson is from Northern California. He went to school in Tempe, Arizona. This guy before that, 
had never played in cold weather. And what's going to happen in April of 2022 if they start the season on time? Spencer Torkelson is going to play in the state of Michigan. That's cold weather. So when Spencer Torkelson has a shitty, shitty first month of his MLB career, don't come crawling back to me and say, there's no way you couldn't have guessed this because I'm telling you right now, Torkelson is going to struggle out of the gates because it's going to be 38 degrees or 44 degrees. That's how it's going to work. But once the heat comes around in mid-May, late May, Tork's going to light the baseball on fire. I, 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 be, I believe that in the minor league context. I remember you talking to me about this, but I think he's going to just figure it out at this point. You're in the big leagues. You could go into the clubhouse style between innings, wear a hoodie, you get warmers, figure it out. I, I think he'll no, be man. fine. No, man. I, I'm talking about human shit. Spencer Torkelson, he's a human being. He gets cold. He's never really been cold playing baseball before, and he's going to struggle the first month uh, of his MLB career. Well, I mean, dude, I can tell you, I played South Florida my whole life. We played a tournament up in Georgia, and it was 45 degrees, and <sighs> wood bat got jammed. I never wanted to play baseball again. I, I thought I was I'm dumb. telling you. I thought I'm I was telling dumb. you. I don't want to swing. So no, I, I get it, but we'll, we'll see. We'll see. It's a little, it's a little conspiracy theorist, but we'll see. We'll see. Uh, I'm, and here's the thing too. He could just struggle outright. And how are we going to know if it's the weather or not? And maybe he'll say something. Maybe he'll I'll say tell you something. it's the weather. Okay. Yes. We'll, we'll, we'll say it's the weather. So we got another American league guy, but we got to, we got to see a little bit of this guy last year. And frankly, he, he could kind of be graduated. <laughs> the prospects ranking system for this is kind of crazy, but Shane Boz, he, pitched in the playoffs uh, and he's technically still a prospect. We don't need to talk much about this guy. I think he can, he's going to be a number two pitcher next year. I don't think either of us disagree with this. He's going to be a frontline caliber starter might have some bumps in the road, but for the Rays, I mean, this is, this is a special arm. I don't think either of us have any, any reservations on that one. Right. No, he's going to be an AL Cy Young value pick in the preseason. When you look at your awards, you could say, damn Shane Boz plus 4,000 win AL Cy Young. How about rookie of the year? I think that's the safest rookie of the year bet there is. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I could see it, but the thing is, like, the AL is just loaded with guys. Like, you've got J-Rod, Adley, Witt, and we're saying they're going to be up from the jump, and here you are competing with them. Torkelson, everybody we've talked about is in the American League so far. Well, well the, the the right play would be, wait a month, Torkelson's hitting 120, take the value oh. play rookie of the year, boom, buy low, buy the dip. By He's the cold. Dip. There He's you cold. go. So, dude, it, it's all AL guys. Again, Gabriel Moreno now, catcher. Uh, kind of the same thing, right? Like, he's going – if he's going to start at catcher for a team that is lit, like, they're insane. They're so fun. Their whole offense is unbelievable. And, he, he I mean, he, he will probably hit seventh or eighth. Like, he probably will. And so, I think he could feast – I think Gabriel Moreno could absolutely feast if he does get the start right away. I don't think he's going to be up from day one. And that's the problem, yeah. right? He, he had a season cut short to about 37 games because of a thumb injury. Uh, they have Alejandro Kirk. They have Denny Jansen. So it's not like they have this, this urgency uh, to, to have him up. So I, I think he's going to have that time in the minors. So it's not really looking at him as a rookie of the year candidate. But I do think once he comes up, this is a guy who has – I have a 60 grade on his present hit tool, 70 future value, meaning like I think as he continues to work it out, he's going to be a plus plus hit tool guy. It, it's that special with his bat to ball skills and the power is there too. He's someone that I think is going to translate pretty well. I think he's going to translate well. I think they are going to 
be really, really patient. I don't think they're going to force anything with Moreno because they've they don't got Kirk to. and they've got Jansen. Mm-hmm. Danny Jansen's good. Like he, he's a good catcher. He's a serviceable catcher. For good the Blue Jays. Right. He's a good backup. But the thing is like that can start in April. And if Moreno needs an April in the minor leagues, if he needs it in Buffalo or in Dunedin or wherever the hell Toronto like has their guys, by the way, did you see like, this crazy spike that COVID had across the NFL, the NBA, the NHL on Tuesday. Yeah. I mean, nuts. Like yeah. I'm worried that the blue Jays are going to have to do their thing away from Rogers. Oh, again. I didn't even think like, about that. It would suck. It would totally suck. And be a shame, I have no this idea. is a fun team. Like the, the Toronto fans deserve to be able to see this. It's unfortunate that this is all happening, you know? It's, yeah. It's like just- Good news for them and their baseball reference page is like they play in two band boxes when they're away from like Dunedin is a joke. <laughs> it's oh, it, a total it, the ball joke. just gets in the air and it just it just levitates out. There's like no it's gravity. Insane. It's stupid. <laughs> it's like if you if you took the dimensions at Chase Field, shrunk them by about 20 feet to every field, and the ball just kind of flies like that. It doesn't make any sense. It's but crazy. If the, like, I'm just worried COVID wise that, that Toronto's not going to be there because they play such an exciting brand of baseball. Like they're one of the most exciting teams in major league baseball. Moreno is going to add to that excitement. I think the excitement's going to come in early June. I could see him getting the wander treatment where he's up for 85 games. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And keep in mind, you know, there could be an injury in another spot and, Kirk could end up DHing or something like that. Kirk is a good bat. So, so many things can happen. And if, if you have an opening in some, some place here or there, I mean, Moreno, they might experiment with him a little bit at, at other positions just to see if he can do it because his bat is that valuable. Ultimately they want him to catch, but if that's what gets him big league at bats down the stretch, I think it's more likely that Moreno catches and they move Kirk, especially given his uh, frame. Uh, but <laughs> Kirk is a great bat. And also is somebody that I think can really be an above average hitter and, and had a good finish to the year. They, they've got an embarrassment of riches. It's going to be a lot of fun, I think, for, for the Jays to wheel and deal. And hopefully they'll be able to play at home. And dude, we're still going through the AL now. So here's the first National League prospect. And it's number 10. And it's from your hometown of Chicago. I know you're a White Sox guy, but you still keep tabs on the Cubs as a Chicago guy. I'm a Cubs and, guy, too. Let's, have yeah. I ever have I ever told like the story of why I am both? I don't think so. Uh, WG. He jumped on so the bandwagon in 05, I'm assuming. And- yeah. um, so here's the deal. I, I know I've told this story before. Um, I grew up in Lincoln Park, which is the neighborhood just south of Wrigleyville. I was a seven-minute walk my first five years of life from my apartment, from my obviously my family's apartment, to Wrigley Field. And then we moved out you know, to the near Burbs. And the option was you know, all my like first baseball game photos, like I've got a photo in a Sammy Sosa onesie in, in the bleachers at Wrigley. Like all my first baseball photos are at Wrigley field. And then when you get out to the burbs, when you're, you know, eight year old Jack, nine year old Jack, and you have the choice of seeing Randy Wells pitch for the Cubs for $45 or seeing Chris sale pitch for the white Sox or Mark Burley pitch for the white Sox for $6. It's very easy to change your allegiance. But then I interned with WGN, which is the the longtime home of Cubs baseball, right? Like they've been there forever. And that's one of those nationally televised channels. Um, So I interned for WGN summer of 2017. This was after our freshman year of college. 
And, you know, there were four or five games a week where I was sitting in the back of the TV booth at Wrigley and U.S. Cellular Field, guaranteed right field, watching a Cubs and Sox game. And when I tell you that the view from the TV booth at Wrigley Field can make you fall in love with a place and with a team, I'm not being hyperbolic. So, like, the Cubs environment is just second to none. Oh, it's it's amazing. you're, You're at the gates of heaven when you're at Wrigley Field. So, like... I cheer for the Cubs because I want to see good Cubs baseball because I know how special that place is. Yeah. And I know when that team is right, I mean, they're, they're super special. But yeah, Brennan Davis. <laughs> well, so something I really cherish too is, you know, as I mean, I probably talked about this a little bit on the pod, but, you know, my late father who passed away, you know, my freshman year at college, that was, we were trying to go to all 30 baseball stadiums, as I know I've definitely yeah. mentioned that. And, and that was the last stadium, you know, we went to, we went to Chicago and um, oh, wow. technically, you know, White Sox stadium was the last one we went to. I forget what it was called. U.S. Cellular at the time, right? Is that mm-hmm. still what it is? Um, no, it's guaranteed rate. Guaranteed rate. Uh, but, you know, and, and that was nice. That was a fun game. But the one I really hold on to is that we got to see the Marlins play the Cubs at Wrigley and Jose Fernandez pitched for the Marlins. So yeah, it was pretty crazy from the morbid aspect that I was with my dad. And, and it was the last time I ever saw Jose pitch too. Uh, but that like environment with my father being at Wrigley, uh, that's something I'll cherish forever. Even if my father was still here, like that was just such a special experience. And uh, that, that I can't, it's hard to put into words really just the way I was able to experience, but frankly, it just kind of took me back in time. And it was cool because my dad's telling me about the first time he went there you know, 35 years ago. And sure. It's a little bit different. They've got the scoreboard. Now they've got lights, uh, but it's still the same place and it still has the same bones and a lot of the same structure and a lot of the same, I guess, just character to it. And that was pretty cool. And I'm like, I'm having a similar first experience that my dad had 30 years prior and not a lot of stadiums can do that for you. Uh, and I am excited to go back there because I have not been back since uh, I went with my father five years ago. Well, you're going to come out to Chicago uh, and you're going to chill for a week and we're going to go to a couple of Cubs games, a couple of Sox games. We're going to see the more exciting team at Guaranteed Rate Field and then we're going to see the friendly confines at Wrigley. I will say if you have a historic stadium and you're looking to upgrade Fenway Park, you should be (laughs) making the trip to Wrigley Field and seeing what they did. Wrigley is nice, but they kept all the tradition like you're talking about. Absolutely. They balanced the two really well. Um, and I think that's that's a tough line to, to toe, but they did a great oh, job yeah. of it. So so let's fly through some NL guys before we wrap up and get you to uh, Steph Curry's history or historic moment, because we know basketball comes first. Uh, yeah. Brennan Davis. I have been on this guy for since you've known me, probably just being annoying and obnoxious about Brennan Davis. I, I think he's going to be a star. But I do see some growing pains for Brennan Davis. There's some swing and miss. The guy struggled against lefties a bit in the upper levels. Uh, He still needs to figure out a change up a little bit. Basically, all that to say, he's game planable right now. Like You can attack him in certain ways. I think he's going to feel it out. He did towards the end of, of, of the season, and he did really finish strong. He has unbelievable athleticism. He's going to give you good defensive value. Even when he's not totally hitting, he's going to walk. He's going to run into baseballs. Uh, but I, I'm not sure that he's a guy like to put it in the context of people I would be betting on, let's say to win national league rookie of the year. I'm probably not uh, just because I don't know if he's going to be up there to start the year. First of all, especially with the, where the Cubs are at in their history of service time manipulation. Yeah. And 
I, I just don't know if Brennan's going to be that hit the ground running kind of guy. I think he's a bit more of a project, but still, I mean, he's a number 10 prospect in, on our top 100 list for a reason. Well, hey, the manipulation was Theo. That wasn't Jed. Jed's got the reins now. Jed, oh, yeah. No, he, he would never. Not. He would never. No, never. Um, yeah, I, you know, I agree with you. And I, I'm working through how I would, you know, budget, budget my futures bets on Brennan Davis. And it's not on rookie of the year. I agree with you. I'm not betting on him to be NL rookie of the year. However, year four, year five, I'm betting on him to be NL MVP. Like I yes. think it's yes. right. It's that kind of curve where mm-hmm. when he gets dangerous, when he figures out the pitching, I mean, the world is his oyster in that regard. Um, but and Tyler O'Neill, like kind of almost, right, like, I think it's right. going to be that kind of just explosion. Like if he gets it, if he gets it and then Holy shit, it clicked. Like that's yeah. what I think is going to happen. I agree with you. Um, and you know, like I can just close my eyes and visualize in at bat against Jack Flaherty and then Burns and Woodruff and Freddie and, and seeing <laughs> yeah. Brennan Davis, right? Like I can see the three pitch strikeout from Brandon oh, Woodruff, yeah. like high fastball. He's like, ah, shit, high fastball, ah, shit. And then he drops like a 91 mile an hour slider. And it's like, God damn, like welcome to major league baseball, buddy. I think that could happen in 2022, but I mean, and that'll be okay. That's okay. That's, that's yeah. what rookies should do. Like yeah. there should be that welcome to the show, chump. There should be that because yeah. that's what, that's what results in growing pains and growing pains yeah. may hurt. It's painful, but you also grow from them. Uh, and what's really impressed me with Brennan Davis. And I kind of goes to that point is that he has started a little bit slow at times when he gets promoted and whenever he hits that wall, he kind of feels it out and you can see that there there's wheels turning in there. He's got a good approach he learns from his mistakes. And I, I really like the, the improvements that we saw across the board with his approach to, he uses the whole field, which is going to work in his favor really well. And he's a guy that just gets it in the air and the ball carries. I think at Wrigley, that's going to work in his favor too. Like he's going to hit a lot of oppo bombs into the basket. Like that's going to be something that he does. Like he's got gap to gap power uh, that, you know, a whole run into one and hit it 450. Like he can do that, but he hits a lot of doubles. And I guarantee that a lot of those doubles are going to turn into home runs on the right days. And he's going to start catching fire and he's going to hit 30 plus home runs when it, when it all comes together. Uh, another guy that I'm, I don't know what, what, what in the world the plan is going to be with this dude. Uh, I, I think he's one of the safest bets around given his athleticism and his bat to ball skills. CJ Abrams. He's not really needed at this juncture for the Padres, right? Because he's a natural shortstop. He can play yeah. second. He can play center, potentially. And I think he wouldn't have a problem in center. He's got a big arm, and he, he's an 80-grade runner. Obviously, Tatis is playing shortstop. Cronenworth's playing a lot of second base, and they've got that Grisham guy in center. So where does he fit into the mold here? Like, Abrams missed a lot of the season anyway with an injury. I think he tore his meniscus. Uh, he's probably going to start in the minor leagues. He's not going to get up enough to make an impact. But that's a guy you're calling up, especially if you have an injury down the stretch. The Padres, you need a boost. You don't have a ton to be able to go make a trade. Call up a dynamic prospect who is as fast as anybody and you know is going at, at the very least – He's going to put the ball in play and he's going to freaking fly. Like he's got a plus hit tool too. I remember the articles, the best deadline acquisition that Tampa Bay Rays could make is calling up Shane Boss. 
right? Like I wrote that, that one. Yeah, yeah, I wrote I that know, thing. I know, I yeah. know. I remember when you said that because that that resonated with me. Like, there are a ton of organizations that should abide by that, not just yeah. in 2021, but in, in years to come and in years prior. Like, the best move that the Padres can make when somebody goes down with injury might not be in free agency or might not be via transaction. Like it might be via calling up CJ Abrams from El Paso. And I think that Abrams is an El Paso guy. I think that the Padres are okay being in a holding pattern with a supremely talented guy. Um, I think he's got to play a lot of center field, especially missing this year of development in the outfield, right? Like he debuted with San Antonio and then he got hurt and then he was out for the overwhelming majority of the season. I think if Abrams is primarily a center fielder in El Paso to open the season and then also gets his reps at short, I think you can go to him. If you've got a gap to fill in center, like say Grisham goes down, right? Like, Maybe Abrams is the guy there. If Tatis has to move to an outfield spot because he's just not really feeling it, maybe Abrams is the guy to go there instead of Hassan Kim, right? Like there are a lot of options for Abrams. He's really, really good. But I think that's another guy where when he sees Walker Bueller and he sees 98 in his grill, he's going to swing at it, be a foot under it and be like, ah, shit, welcome to Major League Baseball. Yeah, I, I totally agree. The thing is with, with an Abrams is that like he's going to be able to help your team even if he's not totally hitting. Like he, He's going to be able to shorten up, put it in play, and he's so damn fast that I, I think there's going to be some sort of ability to translate better than some of the other guys. Okay, so I'm going to say something, and, and a lot of people are going to get mad when I oh, say God. it. You ready? Yeah. It's not the end of the world if you bring him up and he's a bench guy. I think towards the end of the season, absolutely not. It's not the end of the world at all. Like you don't want to take at bats away from him, right? Like it, if it's early in the year, you want him getting ABs and getting reps right, but, on, on the defensive side. You know, I if I'm looking at the Dodgers running away and you're in a battle with the Giants and maybe another team from the East or the Central in the wild card race, like it's August one. You say we got we got the fastest guy in baseball in yeah. El Paso right now. Let's go get him. Who can play potentially all over? And and, and here's who the can thing: hit five big home runs for us. Yes, I, and I frankly, I would rather roll the dice with C.J. Abrams if if it was like, okay, somebody's hurt, we got to give this guy abs, than Hassan Kim or Jerks and Profar. Like I, I'm totally. just so out. Kim might put it together offensively. I think you kind of know what he is, though he's limited. And Profar, I just I'm not a fan. So it, that that's kind of where I stand on that. A few more guys, real quick, uh, because. I'm really interested in the Reds duo uh, of two arms that both reached the upper levels of the minors. Uh, it was a little bit of a struggle for Lodolo, but it was a small, small sample size. He dominated up until he got the call up to AAA. And Hunter Green throws 102, but I actually think Green is further off than Lodolo. I think Lodolo could go up and be a middle of the rotation arm right away. He's got heavy sink will get ground balls. He's got a nasty breaking ball. He's going to make it work. He's got great command. He'll be fine. Hunter Green's fastball is weirdly hittable. 11 of his 14 home runs came off of the heater. Yes, it's 101, but when it's straight as an arrow, guys can hit it. You're smiling. I'm very curious why, because I think Wadolo is going to help the Reds as soon as possible. Yeah, I mean, like you and I just both know that Lodolo is going to be better than Hunter Green off yes. the jump. Yes. Like you, you and I both know that there's no question about that. And I think that um, with, with how many views that Hunter green would get on his fastball on TikTok compared to Lodolo is like, 
I mean, everybody needs to needs, needs, needs Hunter Green content. They don't need Lodolo content because Lodolo's stuff is not as sexy as a 103 that Hunter Green pumps out. Yep. But the reality is like Lodolo's got an arsenal that he has command of and Hunter Green doesn't really yet. So, <laughs> I mean, it's just it's not the exciting thing to say, but like Lodolo is just going to have a better rookie year than Hunter Green has. Absolutely. hundred percent. 100%. Because even if Lodolo is not getting the whiffs that he needs to get, Lodolo's pitch to contact is like get a ton of ground balls with that heavy sink. Hunter Green's pitch to contact is new home run because it's 100 and gets backspun out of the yard. Right. And, right. and that's part of the problem. Um, so like the, the safety net, the plan B when your stuff's not on for Hunter Green is, is a struggle for Lodolo. It's your, your fallback is still pitch to contact and get ground ball. So I think we're on the same page there. Uh, someone that, you know, we definitely got to tee you up on here. Alec Thomas. I know you gave him in the bold prediction as someone that you think is going to, you know, could be break out and be rookie of the year. I think it's a great take. I think he's polished. I think he's big league ready. Uh, he's got great, great approach. Well-roundedness to his game. He's a gamer. Uh, he he's a good defender. He's going to, he's going to be a big boost to this team, you know, and, and making them watchable. And I think he's ready day one if they want him to be. Yeah. I, I'm drinking the Alec Thomas Kool-Aid. I think everybody knows that now. Um, my thing with Alec Thomas is like, you, you don't see freak athletes with a high floor like this. Alec Thomas. I just, you know, now that I'm saying it, he's probably going to bust and that would suck. But I just view Alec Thomas as, as bust proof because mm-hmm. I think he's got so many good skills. I think he's got skills that can continue to rise. I think he's got a high ceiling. I also just think he has a high floor because he's a gifted enough athlete to figure it out. This guy, he was going to play football and baseball at TCU. If I'm not mistaken, he was going to be a running back at TCU and be an outfielder. Like that's what this guy is. Yeah. And his dad, um, Alan Thomas, I want to say his name is, he was recently let go by the White Sox, but he was the strength and conditioning coordinator for the White Sox. He grew up in a big league weight room. He learned how to train like a big leaguer. He was a power five. He was a big 12 football player. He was a big 12 baseball player. This guy is a good enough athlete to figure all this out. Uh, so I think I know why you like Alec Thomas. He's from Chicago. Have I not told you my Alec Thomas high school story? No, but if I'm not mistaken, he went to the same high school as uh, Ed Howard. Yes, Mount Carmel. Look at that. Look, look, at my, look at my Chicago knowledge. Good job. Good job. A lot of those guys from uh, Jackie Robinson West from that team went to Mount Carmel High School. Pierce Jones did, too. Pierce Jones is in the... Uh, He's in the Padres system. Uh, he might be in low A or high A this year. But yeah, Ed Howard and Alec Thomas, they were teammates at Mount Carmel for a little bit. Alec Thomas, his freshman year was our senior year of high school. And Mount Carmel High School, it, my high school, Oak Park River Forest, we were going to play Mount Carmel if they got past Providence Catholic. They lost. But Mount Carmel, if you went around the diamond, starting pitcher in the sectional final I think we saw or maybe the super sectional that we saw was a division one baseball commit everybody around the diamond eight of or seven of the eight position players were division one commits as seniors the (laughs) only one that wasn't was a freshman Alec Thomas in center field Alec Thomas hit a triple and a bomb in this game both pitches were over his helmet. And he I remember you saying that. He tomahawked a ball 420 dead center as a freshman in high school. And Jeez. I was like, it, okay. Well, it, it's crazy because when I look at Alec Thomas, I'm like, that everything that he does pre-swing, like I'm 
when I see a guy like that, I'm like, that's, that's difficult to time up. It's difficult to make work. If you're a freak athlete, you can make those movements work. Alec Thomas is a plus hit tool guy, despite all of those movements. So you just know he's a freak athlete to be able to make all of that work. Uh, by the way, on my high school team, I was the one non D one commit guy. Uh, yeah. Like the whole the whole like team all the way around, like either D one or, or draft prospect. And then just like, you know, the scrappy guy over here, the <laughs> switch hitter, switch hitter that can play all over the diamond and uh, set the team. Uh, I've school record for sacrifices. So, you know, Boom. I'm in the record books, uh, hey, but here, here's the thing though, like about, you know, somebody like Alec Thomas, right? Like when you watch the South Florida guy, when I watched the Chicago land area guy, like I watched Gavin Lux, I watched, you know, um, who's this uh, catcher for the twins, Rourke Fett. like they're all from the Chicago land area guys that are from Chicago, Milwaukee, Indy, like that walk of the earth. I see them all the time and I keep tabs on them. And when you watch a South Florida guy all the time, it gets pretty easy to pick out what you don't like about them. It's like having a roommate. If you're around them for long enough, you pick out things that you start to not like. I just continue to watch Alec Thomas and I can't really pick out anything that I don't like. No, it's it's pretty hard. Uh, there's really not much to to not like. Even the power starting to shine through, uh, and that kind of leads me into power shining through on the last guy here. Uh, and this is somebody that, frankly, I will be laying money on to win rookie of the year this coming year. It's going to be Boomer Bust, but if he puts it together, he's going to run away with it. And it's O'Neill Cruz of the Pirates. O'Neill Cruz has generational power. Like that's not even hyperbolic generational power. He hit a home run last year, 120 miles per hour in AAA. For context, in the StatCast era, there have only been three other home runs hit 120 miles an hour, Jack. Two by Giancarlo Stanton, one by Aaron Judge. The other is O'Neill Cruz, number four. That's some ridiculous company. The other side of it is that he's actually cut down on the K rate. He's made this simple, shorter swing. He's been able to find movements that work for him. I think this guy could legit hit 35, 40 home runs next year if if he's able to put it all together. And I think he can. Yeah, he's a rookie shortstop who might hit 35 bombs. A 6'7". How is that even possible? I don't don't know. I don't know. Um, You know, his talent level is second to none at, you know, the shortstop position in the National League right now because he has something that nobody else has, and that's the frame, right? He's six, seven. He gets all of all of his frame out of it, and he hits the ball to the stratosphere. Um, Defensively, I'm curious how he's going to do. if he's a serviceable defensive shortstop and he hits 35 bombs and he keeps the batting average right around 265, that's your rookie of the year. One more guy that I think could potentially break in on the National League side. And he got a little bit of a stint last year and he was traded from the Dodgers to the Nationals. Kiebert Ruiz. We can talk to Josiah Gray, but I want to talk Kiebert Ruiz. Good hit tool, switch hitter, catcher, got a cameo last year. I think he's still eligible for rookie of the year. Yeah. Yeah, he should be. I mean, he didn't play many games. Right? Kiebert Ruiz, what do you think? 
Um, I'm a lot lower on Kiba Ruiz than I think most are. Let's see. Kiba Ruiz played six games with the Dodgers, 23 with the Nats. I think his rookie status, yes, still intact through 2022. Ruiz hit 284 with a 743 OPS. Two bombs, 14 driven in 23 games with Washington. You know, I... He's tough. Like he's a he's a really tough nut to crack for me because I watch Moreno and I say, yeah, that's the guy. I watch Francisco Alvarez. I say, yeah, that's the guy. I watch yeah. Dingler. I say, yeah, that's the guy. And like Kibar Ruiz, I'm just like, eh, is he a top flight prospect? Like, is he a number one prospect in the you system? Know, it's funny. So I, you know, I was a little bit on the fence about him, and you know, I, I think he's a high floor guy. But I don't know if his offense can translate the way that some people think it can. And it was funny because I was talking actually to uh, I was talking to a few different people in the prospect world about it. And they're like, how could you be hesitant on Keeper Ruiz? Like, what are you what are you unsure of about Keeper Ruiz? And I was like, I don't know. I like usually I can give you a full description as to why. But there's something there and I just don't totally know. Uh, but, you know, I think he's going to swing it. I just don't think that's a guy I'm, I'm super pumped about uh, to be able to make a major impact next year. Uh, but someone else in the same division, last guy we'll wrap up with here because I know you saw a little bit of him. I believe in college, Bryson Stott. I'm not sure he's going to break in quick enough, but he could be the everyday shortstop in the second half of the season for the Phillies. I think DD's done. I just don't think that that's your guy you're counting on if you're trying to make yeah. the playoffs as your shortstop. Stott's a superior defender. I think at this juncture, probably a better hitter and high floor guy too. And a good athlete. What do you think? I really like the, I like the concept of Stott and Segura being the middle infield tandem in Philly. Like that's hot. It's it's fun. fun. And boom, a bounce back boom at third. That's a fun infield. Hoskins at first, Rio Muto Mm -hmm. at catcher. That's one of the more fun infields in baseball. If boom bounces back. I would well, like and that. then you've got, and then you've got the MVP out and right. And like, oh, yeah, that, I don't that give dude. a shit about, right. I don't give a shit about center and left. If I've got the MVP and right in that infield Stott, you know what? I saw Stott when he was between seasons at UNLV before he went to go play for team USA uh, and the collegiate national team. I saw him out on the Cape. He was with Wareham. I think it was Stott and Andrew Vaughn. He was, he was a Wareham guy. He was a Wareham. Yeah. Guy. Stott and Vaughn. I think we're on that same Wareham team. And by Poor the way, soul. The ball came off Andrew Vaughn's bat differently than anybody else I've ever seen. Bryson Stott, like the way that this guy roams the diamond, when you see a ground ball to his backhand, I'm like, oh, yeah, you're going to be a major league baseball player. Like you could see that when he was in college after his freshman year at UNLV. I think this guy's got the makeup to be a stud. I don't think there's any defensive question for me. I know that the airs could accumulate for, you know, an everyday shortstop as a rookie, but I just don't really see it. Like, I think he's a big league defender. I think that he's got enough power in the bat. Like when you especially in that park, right? I mean, yeah. Yeah. When you, when you see best case scenario, Bryson Stott, what's the batting average? What's the home run total? Like, I think he can be a 285 guy hit you 20, 20 bombs. You know, I, I, I think, think that's fair. That. With, I think with some good athleticism. Right. 285 with a 355 OBP and 20 bombs. Yeah. And with, with good athleticism, we'll sprinkle in probably 10 to 15 bags. He'll play some good defense. You'll take that on that team. That's oh, yeah. exactly what they need. That's exactly oh, yeah. what they need. And so, you know, I, I really like him there. 
I think they need to go get like a Kevin Kiermaier type in center field. You know, make that defense better. They don't need offense like that. Uh, but I think at this juncture, Bryce Stott might be an offensive upgrade over DD at this point. I mean, DD is just not, he's not the same anymore. I mean, we'll see. Yeah. He's going to get one last chance, but I mean, the defense isn't great anyways. So, you know, we'll kind of see how that goes, but I think Stott's a dark horse here, depending on how early they bring him up. Uh, but I mean, he's been really good all the way through. Well, in worst case scenario for Dave Dombrowski, he's got J.P. Crawford and Scott Kingery in Lehigh Valley. I mean, J.P. Crawford and Scott <laughs> Kingery, they were the can't-miss guy in AAA for so long. So long. Well, oh, hey, J.P. put God. it together this year, kind of. Put it together, not for the Phillies. Sorry, Phillies. Nope. Nope, for the Mariners. Man. But, the Mariners. yeah, th- this was fun, man. Like, we got a lot of guys to go through, and and there's probably more. One other guy that I was just going to mention in passing as we wrap up is Rowanzi Contreras. Pitcher, Pirates, disgusting. If he's healthy, that's another guy that I will sprinkle a few bucks on uh, over there to kind of see if he puts it together and he's healthy. I mean, he already put it together. It's really a matter of health. This stuff is crazy. Fleecing of the Yankees in that deal uh, for the Jamison Tyone trade. I loved that deal for the Pirates. But fun as always. Uh, At this point, we're getting ready for Steph, right? He should be starting up soon. As people are listening, Steph, Probably made history unless he shot one of 11 and had one of his disastrous nights from the field that is unwatchable, like you say, um, yeah. and, and just so, so terrible. Uh, yeah. Any final thoughts? Uh, no, I'm going to go watch Steph. All right. Thank you, everybody. 